The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good day and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on Voice of Vits, that's Val FM 88.1. We're broadcasting live from our studios in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mdiwa Mob Justice Kavaza and I'll be your host uh, for the next hour or so. Now, who's to say that the business of uh, the world of business, sorry, uh, can't be entertaining differently? Make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to unpack and keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about about the world of business economics and how it affects you and your pocket. So for today, we're going to be talking about uh, jobs. Um, it is our jobs show. We try to do a jobs show every quarter just to you know show young people the opportunities that are available in the market and uh, you know specifically how can you make yourself uh, more employable. And I guess uh, given the times, what has COVID-19 actually done um, to impact the job sector? To help us navigate this topic, uh, we're going to be talking to um, Joanna Preston, who is the head of Young Talent um, at FNB's HR Center for Expertise um, about FNB's uh, graduate recruitment program. And then we'll talk to Dr. Tashmir Ishmael Saville, who is the CEO of Yes, that is the Youth Employment Service, about the job opportunities that they are helping to create with their organization. So that's how the show is going to be looking like. We're also be going to be getting into the business wrap that's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news and then now uh, we'll also be t- giving you um, our buffalo index where we tell you the state of your 100 rand now remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us we have our fm that's voice of vids on facebook and you can also find our other facebook page uh, that is the vids radio academy on twitter we're at VARFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz and you can also stream the station live on on valfm.co.za. Remember that podcast of uh, the Business Buzz Show and all other material are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. And you can also search for us on iono.fm, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts uh, to listen to our awesome show on those various platforms. So that's how the show is going to be looking like for the next hour. Make sure you hold on to your seats uh, as uh, we, you know, we keep you um, entertained and educated. Uh, so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. We are here for the next hour. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Rep with Lebo Pasha. It's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by a financial expert. Um, we have uh, Lebo Pasha, who is a business strategist and general manager for Southern Africa uh, to the African Management Institute. Um, Lebo, greetings to you. How are things looking this week? Greetings to you, Mudiwa, and the VARFM listeners. Um, yeah, we've got a very interesting week. I think we're slowly seeing things trying to move back to normal or some form of normalcy. Um, and yeah, people are calling some of some people are calling it the new normal. I think yes, it's not. The world will not be the same. Um, we've seen some huge changes, and I don't think we're going to return to what used to be the normal. Um, I've seen a few places uh, shifting from talking about the future of work to saying the future of work is now. So, yeah, interesting times. Interesting times indeed. Now, I understand that in terms of uh, the economy, um, you know, some of the relief that drivers may have felt for those few that were driving during the lockdowns, um, that petrol price increases may be on the horizon. Yes, unfortunately, there's a bit of bad news. Um, from the lows we had um, in, in April, the petrol price has really recovered. Um, the price of Brent oil is back above um, 35 US dollars per barrel. And that's not really good news for a struggling economy like ours, for struggling consumers and people who, who also rely on public transport because that's definitely going to hit their pockets as well as taxi fares go up. So we've seen um, the rand price of Brent oil um, has climbed up by close to, I think, more than 80% now um, from a very weak point in April where um, we saw record lows um, for the past 21 years. And then I guess on that one, uh, because 
I, I find when it comes to the petrol price, it's one of those cost uh, cost factors, one of those line items um, that tends to be uh, one of those things that tends to be passed on to you know consumers. Um, do you think this is just one uh, one of those things that um, the SA consumer is just going to have to stomach because prices were at these levels before the lockdowns, or has the consumer really come under that much pressure that? Even going back to where we were pre-lockdown is a, is is a tough ask at this point. So um, we're looking at an increase of probably around um, one rand forty or so, um, um, about one rand forty to one rand fifty for petrol, one thirty to one forty for diesel, and unfortunately, I think um, this is something we will have to stomach. The one sort of relief at this point is the fact that the lockdown has meant that we're seeing a lot less cars on the roads we're seeing a lot less travel and because of this um some consumers might be shielded from that but unfortunately um the working class the people who need to get to factories who need to um who can't work remotely are usually the ones that need the most relief and and they will be hit because of um um, taxi fares going up, both because of social distancing in taxis, where you've got a limitation of only 70% of the occupancy of the taxi. Um, now you've got this sort of hit as well. And I think it's something that we have to live with. Um, it's still below uh, the crazy petrol prices we've had before, but I think at this sort of time we add right now, it's going to be quite painful stomaching a petrol price increase. Now, one of the things sort of shifting our attention um, that sort of come back into the fore now is the issue of state-owned enterprises, the SOEs. Um, what's going on on this front? Because I think everyone at this point has been trying to fight uh, the fire that is COVID-19. Um, but it seems that uh, the ugly head of SOEs has reared its head. What's, what's happening here? So, um, I think as global economies are starting to open up and um, a lot of the uncertainty um, or the biggest part of the uncertainty around COVID-19 and how it's going to shape our world is starting to dissipate. We're seeing a lot of questions being asked that were asked before COVID-19 and these are now um, questions about how do we fix our economies and the same questions still remain because nothing has really been done to fix the South African economy. And we've got the OECD, which is basically um, an economic cooperation and development uh, body uh, with 37 member nations and other nations that also collaborate with this body to, to drive economic co- uh, cooperation and development. Um, they've come out to basically say South Africa needs to fix ESCOM. It needs to fix the SOEs, but it urgently needs to fix ESCOM because we can't turn around the economy and grow when ESCOM is such a big drain on our economy and it's also a drain because of load shedding. So, yes, we are now starting to again look at what else needs to be done. Um, South Africa has been lauded for its performance on um, softening the blow of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Some of the, the government's um, um, coronavirus disaster um, relief or disaster management uh, plans have really worked for South Africa. It's softened the blow. It hasn't been as hard. Uh, South Africa hasn't been as hard hit as some people expected. So we've gotten some sort of points on that, but we do need to start focusing again on fixing our economy and fixing the things that were wrong because we did get downgraded and um, we do need to work our way back up. Now, also just, uh, I guess, as a follow-up to, to, to what you're now talking about around the SA government's uh, response to COVID-19 and some of the assistance it's given to people, I'm understanding that UIF um, payouts have not been you know, successful for some. Um, what's going on on this? I think we, we've actually had a series of shows um, on the business bus trying to understand um, the, the the inner workings of uh, the UIF and all of that, and it's, uh, it it all sounds very complex. So, what's this latest development? Well, um, we've got a bit of an issue because not all employers have registered their employees with the UIF, and what this means is you've got about seven hundred thousand applications 
for coronavirus payouts or relief that have not been paid because of this particular error, um, which is basically employers not having registered their employees. And this is going to cost um, all of these applicants about 3 billion rand in total. So we're talking about a lot of money. Um, unfortunately, it's also going to impact those workers as well. So it will impact both the companies and the workers. So we've seen um, the Unemployment Insurance Fund coming out and, and asking employers to go and sort out these issues um, so that they can access their uh, TERS or the Temporary Employer Employee Relief Scheme. So, yes, we hope um, if you've applied for it, you definitely need to uh, speak to your employer. You need to check online, see whether payment's been approved if you haven't received the payment yet. So that's been it in terms of uh, today's uh, business wrap. That was us on the line uh, with Lebo Pasha, who is a business strategist and general manager for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute. Just letting us know about what's been going around in and around the economy, uh, particularly around uh, some of the UIF uh, temporary employee employer relief scheme uh, benefits that aren't going to the intended parties because um, some of the employers haven't been uh, paying or registering um, themselves with UIF. At the same time, uh, SOEs are now back um, on the agenda as economies uh, are opening up. We now have to fix some of the issues um, that existed pre-COVID. And also just uh, talking firstly around the petrol price, which is like which is set to go up uh, by just over one rand um, in the coming weeks um, in response to the rebound in oil prices globally. Um, as more and more economies around the world open up. So that's been it in terms of the business wrap. On the other side of this, we get into the Buffalo Index. Business wrap with Lebo Pasha. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the state of your 100 Rand. And for today, we are doing something slightly different uh, because of the lockdown. Um, one of the things um, that you may have heard in our um, business wrap is the fact that um, there has been a slight rally and we've been seeing some recovery in the local currency that is the Rand, um, which actually took quite a hit, losing uh, about a third of its value um, well into uh, the lockdown because of the COVID-19 crisis. And we just wanted to look at what your 100 Rand used to get you, um, I guess, before and after, um, you know, these lockdown. Okay, I guess before and during um, the uh, the COVID-19 uh, lockdowns, um, just what can you, what could your 100 Rand get you back then and what can it get you now? So looking at some of the major, in, in major currencies around the world, um, at the start of 2020, that is, around um, the 1st of January, your Buffalo could get you um, 7 uh, US dollars 13 cents, or it could get you 5 pounds 38p, or it could get you 6 euros 36 cents, or it could get you 75 pula. Right. And then by the time you get to the weakest point, um, you know, COVID-19 um, in terms of the rand, that's sort of uh, in April, your US on the US dollar front, you could only get um, $5.24 for your buffalo and £4.28. Um, for your for your buffalo um that's down from 713 on the US front and uh, 538 on uh, the pound front uh, the rand has strengthened a little bit and uh, as of today your 100 rand can get you um uh, $5.91 on the US dollar front uh 5 euro 22 or it can get you uh, 4 pound 70 or if you go to Botswana it can get you 68 uh pula 90 so that's been it in terms of uh, the Buffalo Index, just giving you um, what your 100 Rand can do for you in the currency markets, what it could do for you um, at the start of the year and what uh, the COVID-19 crisis has done in terms of uh, value destruction on uh, that front. On the other side of this, we get into the main topic. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz.
Welcome back to the Business Buzz. Uh, for today's show, we are having a, a, a show around jobs every once in a while. We try to do this quarterly, but you know, as you can see with what's going on in and around COVID-19, um, you know, we have many plans, but sometimes, you know, those plans have to, you know, have to be readjusted. And so for today, we are going to be talking about jobs. Uh, every once in a while, we try to have a show that's sort of geared towards um, you know, the youth jobs and just seeing what opportunities are out there for young people. Uh, but before we get into that, remember that you can find us on Facebook. That's of our FM or Voice of Vits. Our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VARFM and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So as we, you know, get into the show, we are firstly just going to be talking to um, one of the big banks in the country, uh, that is FNB, just around their graduate recruitment programs. Um, perhaps you are in the BCom stream or any other stream and you have always had dreams of of working in banking or specifically for FNB. Um, so we are joined by Joanna Preston, who is the head of young talent at FNB's HR Center of Expertise. And she's going to be helping us um, just to understand what uh, some of the opportunities are um, for young people at FNB. Joanna, how are you? I'm fine and you. Thank you for having me this morning. No, no, no. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking your time out of your day to, you know, let our listeners know about what's going on at FNB. So I think just as a point of departure, can you just tell us a little bit about the FNB graduate uh, recruitment and internship program? And um, I think more than anything else, um, our listeners, you know, in their various faculties might be wondering if uh, working, if a career at FNB is particularly just for uh, BCom graduates or whether you guys are welcoming, you know, of uh, other types of qualifications? Um, it's actually a great question because I think that's one of the biggest um, misnomers that everyone thinks banking, financial services, it means you have to have a background in finance or be a chartered accountant. And banking has certainly changed, evolved, and uh, the focus has actually shifted a lot more to um, a much broader graduate background. So on top of, you know, obviously the, the financial background graduates, we now look for graduates with engineering backgrounds, for example. We have a lot of um, requirements for IT graduates, um, and data is the name of the game as well. So actuaries, maths, stats, all of those different degrees. Um, curiously enough, you know, in the last years or so, we've also seen an uptick in, in very unusual degrees because it's not necessarily about what you study, but what your skill sets are and how you want to apply them. So, for example, I have a graduate with a PhD in organic chemistry of all the strange degrees to have, and she was very interested in applying her statistical knowledge in the, in the financial services context. So it's a lot broader than it once used to be. So I guess from that point of view, you've already mentioned the fact that you guys are open um, to a sort of broad uh, level of skill sets and the like. What type of documentation is actually needed out there uh, for a person to actually apply? And how do you then go about actually sifting um, through the applications, especially since you are you're saying that you're open to people, you know, from such a wide variety of backgrounds? Um, well, it's actually quite straightforward. We do just require a CV and your academic results. Um, we do look at um, a solid academic record. So by solid, it doesn't mean that you have to have all, you know, 90s and, and sort of straight A's for everything. Um, but by solid, is just around, you know, a consistent um, pass rate. We see that you're on your major subject. You have consistently done well and you've applied yourself. And of course, the, the relevance of the subject. So, being um, being a bank that's um, evolving and, and quite future focused, um, a lot of quantitative degrees or uh, or you know, subjects with um, technology background, all of those are quite relevant. So, when we do look at your unusual degrees, that's what we would sift through: is look for for those academic subjects that we know will find um, space and some exciting applications in the bank. Um, so that's anything to do with, with numbers, with data, with IT, um, 
you know, statistics, those kind of things. Um, on the CV, I guess one of the things to highlight being a student is anything where, where you have had an opportunity to apply yourself in even a part-time basis. So I think often people think, you know, working, for example, um, at a restaurant or at a, at a store is not relevant. So it's much more about how you position that experience. Um, you know, that there's a lot of customer service, for example, that you would have um, learned organizational skills that you can um, talk about that you have gained. So just highlighting yourself, you know, being a tutor, all of those kind of um, experiences that people often think are not relevant to the world of work, just show you as someone who is eager to learn, who is hardworking, who, who takes on um, opportunities. So we look at all of those kind of um, things as part of the screening process. And, uh, and then we, we select um, using our own assessment. Um, and that's something that's really just quite a broad um, application of your ability of how to solve problems, um, how you think, how you look at concepts. It's not anything um, that you can really prepare for. Um, it's just a learning potential assessment. Okay. And that's quite a simple process, really. Okay, in terms of that process, um, you know, what you're highlighting, I'd like us to take maybe a step back and maybe you walk us through um, the actual process, um, you know, perhaps at a high level, just around um, when applications open, you know, for the program, um, all the way sort of up to when you guys actually um, close those applications and then um, recruit the people? When do people tend to start? Um, what is, how long is the interview? So can you just walk us through the, the actual steps involved? Absolutely. So our applications are open for quite a long period of time. They have opened early in March and they are only going to close um, on the 7th of August. Um, obviously with, with everything that's changing so rapidly these days, um, companies are reviewing those closing deadlines and we will consider it closer to the time if, if necessary. But I think it's, it's, you know, there is quite a bit of time to, to submit applications. So um, very, very straightforward through our career site. Um, so you log on to the FMB website, submit your um, CV and academic results. You are then um, able to, uh, well, we, we then do the selection um, and a electronic link to an assessment is sent through to selected students. Once the assessment is completed and, and the next stage is an interview with the graduate team. So that the purpose of that interview is really just to get a sense of what are your career interests, what are your particular skills, so that we can more appropriately match you to the relevant opportunity um, through the graduate program. And the final stage is an interview with a specific business unit um, just to understand the, the specific fit um, of an applicant to, to the opportunity. That's followed by, um, you know, being provided with an offer, and the program starts late January. So it's quite a, quite a straightforward process. We typically um, analyze all our interviews and assessments and final offers towards the end of the year, so around November. Um, and as I mentioned, our applications close on the 7th of August. And then in terms of uh, the actual process itself or uh, perhaps preparing for interviews, you did mention just now that usually there isn't like a set way to actually prepare um, for the interviews or some of the assessments, um, rather testing, you know, the way that people think, um, things like that. But in terms of the practicalities of going through those sessions, how has or how can a person expect that process to perhaps have changed? Because I can imagine that until a cure or a vaccine is done, perhaps there might be a reliance on on uh, video conferencing or maybe some type of uh, social distanced uh, interview process of, of some sort. How has um, the current crisis sort of fed into um, the recruitment process that you, you often have to go through? You're 100% correct. So we have now enabled the entire process to be digital. So as you mentioned, the, the name of the game now is video conferencing. Um, so in the past, we would have held most of our interviews face-to-face, -face, and, and that has obviously shifted to a, a video interview or a telephonic interview. So I think, you know, a point to be made with, with regards to graduate recruitment and specifically F&B, um, we're very mindful of, you know, 
helping to enable our students. And not everyone is sitting at home with a very strong Wi-Fi connection. So we do give people an opportunity to, to choose and see what medium suits them best. Um, typically, we do, we do prefer to use um, Microsoft Teams. Um, but we also give option to our applicants to use just a telephonic interview if data is a challenge, for example. So that has been the biggest shift, um, is just not having that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, and of course, in the past, we would have also been able to run our assessments um, you know, written in a face-to-face in a, in a -face context, and that has now been digitally enabled as well. Okay. On that, um, you know, as the business buzz, we are actually... Uh, we're proud and we're honored to have uh, uh, Pilani Potwana, one of the youngest CEOs at FNB, um, on the show sometime last year. And he's actually a beneficiary um, of FNB's uh, graduate recruitment program. Um, after more than a decade, he's risen in the ranks. And he's one of those people that you can point to to say that um, this is a this is a process that actually works and it can actually build uh, a person's career. But you know, with with that in mind, what are, what are some of the considerations that young people perhaps need to think about when approaching a career in a bank um, like FNB? What is the culture like? Um, what is the company you know like to work for? Uh, because I think sometimes people are so are so keen on getting the job they don't necessarily yeah. think about whether or not they themselves are a cultural fit uh, for the company itself. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, Pilani is definitely one of our, our superstars. And I think it's a very important point that you make because the culture of a company really, really affects your, you know, your working relationship and your career. And it absolutely is a two-way street. The company obviously wants people to um, to feel comfortable and to, and to fit and, and feel like they're able to play to their strengths. And, but also importantly, you as an employee need to feel that, you know, this is something that makes sense to me, that I feel comfortable with, that, that I'm able to, to be myself in. So I guess from an FNB perspective, in a word, I would say the culture is entrepreneurial. Um, what that really means is, you know, we work in a lot smaller, um, more agile groups. Um, but what that also means for graduates is that you're expected and enabled to step up right away and contribute. Um, so I think typically when you think of a graduate program, you know, there's a lot of learning and rotating and looking at, at how to do things. Um, and yes, certainly there is an element of that, but the focus is around action learning. How are you applying your skills? You know, right away having the opportunity to contribute, to innovate, um, and to be part of really cutting edge, exciting projects. So, you know, as an example, our graduates in their first year get to work on things like innovating new elements of the FMB app. That's that's as, as big as it gets. And I think that that Pilani is definitely testament to that. He you know, he was one of our um, youngest innovators and that's how he made his way through the bank by by coming up with um, the concept of a cardless cash withdrawal. So thanks to him you can you can go to an ATM if you left your wallet at home and withdraw money using your cell phone. I mean, that's a pretty amazing idea for a young graduate. And I think, you know, that, that sort of F&B, you have the platform, but you have to be brave enough to step up and, and put your ideas forward and, um, you know, and work hard to get them implemented. The space is there. It's up to you to be, to be creative, to be bold. And uh, the, rest is, the rest is there. So a an entrepreneurial um sort of culture that's what you can sort of expect from FNB uh, but as we end off um Joanna can you tell us just how covid-19 and this current crisis has perhaps changed um the conversation around recruitment we're actually very happy to know and hear that you know fnb is still hiring i think right now a lot of people are expecting a lot of jobs to be cut um a lot of job losses and the like so we're happy to hear that young people can still um get uh, can still get opportunities at an fnb but how has the recruitment conversation um evolved because of um the current crisis i think I'm sure it definitely has been affected, and I think, um, you know, as all businesses in South Africa are now looking to 
um, to reduce costs and worrying about um, expanding costs when it comes to headcount. I find, you know, being at F&B for such a long time, we're not, we don't have a tendency to be reactive. I mean, no one really has seen this coming um, at, at this sort of scale and impact. But um, I guess from from what I've seen, there is um, a very much a, a sort of critical review of what are the, the real critical necessary skills. Um, so perhaps it's around, you know, where we would have had um, large numbers in a specific function, let's say 10, we would now review and say, do we really need all 10? Can we consolidate? And I think too, as a, as a bit of a partnering strategy, it's also supplementing it with our internal talent strategies. So the, as much as we've, we've always been a learning organization, I think that focus has been shifted even more so to looking at our internal talent pipelines, um, reviewing you know, long, long to medium term, which functions might be getting smaller or shrinking. Um, and, it, and the thinking is very much not about reducing headcount, but rather how do we reskill our employees, repurpose them, connect them with opportunities internally. So recruitment is certainly still happening, although it is at a reduced um, number, you know, scale or numbers. And again, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, if you think of, of entrepreneurs, it's how do they look at um, their business very critically? It's about, you know, the business case prevails. What makes sense? What, um, you know, and I think that the, one of the worst things that anyone could ever do is hire somebody only to not be able to secure their position over the long term. So I think there's a lot more of a critical thinking approach to what skills and at what numbers. Um, but um, and I think maybe obviously the how of the recruitment certainly has changed. Um, but other than that, um, you know, life continues. So that was us in conversation with Joanna Preston, who is the head of head of young um, talent at FNB's HR Center for Expertise. Uh, just running us through FNB's graduate recruitment and internship program. Um, just telling us about the culture in the company, um, the fact that they are open for applications until about August, and the fact that the current COVID nineteen crisis has changed um, how that process is going, particularly on the interview side because they now there's now a greater reliance on electronic communication whether telephone calls or video conferencing and also just touching on company culture and how that can actually a affect a person's actual career and how you know young people need to be thinking about um, the culture of an organization when they are planning their careers joanna how can people perhaps uh, get in touch with you guys or apply for the um, graduate program where do they find that information um, if you log on to our careers site, so that's fnb.coza forward slash careers. Otherwise, there is a direct link into the graduate program application, and that's fnbgrad.mobi. So fnbgrad.mobi and also fnb.co.za forward slash careers. That's where you can find that information. So that's it. Thank you so much to Joanna. On the other side of this, we continue with the show. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. You're tuned in to The Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. It is our jobs show. And, you know, before the break, uh, we're just hearing about uh, some of the opportunities that are available, uh, you know, from one of the banks. But we're here now to talk to another organization um, that's made it a mission to create um, some type of employment opportunities for young people in South Africa. But before we get into all that, uh, let us know some of your thoughts on social media, on Facebook. We are for FM, that's Voice of Fits. And you can also find our other Facebook page that is Ritz Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So, right now, we want to talk to um, the Youth Employment Service. So, on the line, we are joined by uh, Dr. Tashmir Ishmael Saville, who is the CEO of Yes, that is the Youth Employment Service. And uh, she's just going to be telling us a little bit about uh, the, you know, their mission to create jobs for young people. Um, I, I hear that they've, uh, that they've, 
uh, been able to create uh, about 35,700 jobs so far and that you know the, the train is uh, chugging along and they're going to be telling us as well a little bit about a partnership recently um, with a multi-choice. Uh, Dr. Tashmir, how are you and uh, can you tell us in the beginning just a little bit around um, what YES does? If we look at the South African economy, one of the major issues plaguing us uh, before COVID and certainly after COVID is youth unemployment. We have large numbers of young people who are unable to find uh, a place in the economy to be able to find dignified work. Um, we used to have much uh, higher grad employment rates, but with economic contraction, we've seen even graduate employment has, 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 has plummeted. We have large numbers of young people who have just a high school certificate uh, or matric certificate, and we have 56% of youth in the labor market who don't have that matric certificate. So given that this is a massive national problem, government, business and labor got together and said, how do we create special purpose vehicles to address some of these national issues? And the Youth Employment Service was one of those. So we work, uh, we're fully private sector funded, but we work with uh, a mandate from government and, and, and labor um, to create new jobs for black youth in the economy. So we work on the side of the economy that works with private sector to say, how do we use BEE funding, um, uh, the YES Gazette? There was a law passed that if you invest in youth jobs, you can move up on the BEE scorecard. How do we use enterprise and supply development funding? And how do we platform and pool this to create as many new jobs as we can in an economy that uh, has been going backward. Now, I think one of the interesting pieces of news to come out um, recently from what you guys are doing is um, this uh, partnership with uh, Multitrust, which is the biggest uh, pay TV operator um, on the continent, and others will know it as uh, the operators of DSTV. And they came out saying that, uh, you know, in partnership with you guys, they had uh, created, I think, if I remember the number correct, it must be about 400 positions or 400 um, job opportunities, you know, for young people. So something like that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what that is? Is that something that's uh, that's closed? Is that something that people can still um, apply for? Because, you know, given the current state of things, as you were, you know, putting it, it's quite encouraging to hear that, uh, you know, somewhere in South Africa, you know, some type of employment is still being created. Absolutely. So uh, the, the partnership with MultiChoice is very exciting for us. Uh, we have had a concern with, with um, the economic recession and the GDP contraction that, that some of our partner companies might get a little bit of cold feet. And we're so thrilled that MultiChoice is still being a flag bearer in, uh, in, in promoting youth jobs, in saying, you know, despite COVID, we will stick to the plan and we're going to continue with this project. Yes, most of those positions um, have been filled, but, you know, yes, it's constantly working with companies to open up new jobs. The multi-choice jobs are very exciting. Uh, these young people are being placed in a range of technical uh, positions, um, both in the entertainment industry from content creation, but also more uh, deeply scientific uh, type jobs. So some very exciting opportunities for those for those lucky youth in the program. And no. fantastic on multi-choice for, um, for continuing to partner like some of the other YES uh, companies in making these jobs happen. Now, I, I want us to just maybe shift for a moment uh, because, you know, the point of this show is, um, you know, giving, you know, young people just some type of uh, heads up about some of the opportunities that are available in the jobs market out there. And, you know, just now we were talking to, um, we we're talking to, uh, Joanna from uh, FNB, and they were telling us about their graduate uh, recruitment, uh, their graduate recruitment program. And right now, you're telling us about um, what's going on with the partnership with MultiChoice. Um, from your experience, having cre having you know been instrumental in creating uh, these jobs since you guys started, what are some of the ways that I guess young people can actually help themselves to become more employable? That is such an important question. I'm so glad you asked it, because if you look at the South African economy, 
the number of jobs that we create in our current private sector simply isn't enough for the types of skills that we've got uh, out in market. And the best way for young people to to think about uh, a future is how not who will give me a job, but how can I become a job creator? I think there's a lot of opportunity in the entrepreneurial space. I think that we haven't even begun to scrape the surface on the types of jobs opportunities that we can create. And this is about exposure of young people to the range of careers that's out there. You know, today, just with a smartphone, you can access gig, gig jobs. You can create CVs for yourself and pictures for yourself on your, on your smartphone. Um, you can get uh, involved in micro-credentials, micro-learning, where you can pick up a course on photography, a course on blog writing. Um, and start to, to figure out ways that you can solve problems in your community by opening up some kind of small business or joining a small business in your community to get that experience. We also see a lot of young people cutting their teeth in volunteer jobs or job shadowing to understand what the world of work is about. And quite often you build some very cool networks um, when you're out there, you know, job shadowing and, and, and volunteering that help you build either an idea for your own business or an idea to join a new business and sometimes even a job opportunity through that network. So, you know, the, the trick is not to sit back and hope that a job is going to appear because unfortunately with COVID and the, and the, and the recession that's going to follow or that is already following, um, you know, there's, there's going to be less of those. Companies are laying people off. So to, to kickstart the economy, if we imagine if, if all the young people out there felt inspired, had a growth mindset and said, hold on, you know, we've got enormous creative power uh, in, in, in our young hands. How do we harness and use this creative power um, to just change the, the national mindset and work towards goals of creating jobs for each other? I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for peer learning, for, um, for, for peer uh, knowledge sharing, um, and, and, and for youth to actually start to work together to create those opportunities. I actually would be interested to get your thoughts on something which I think a lot of young people tend to overlook sometimes because, um, you know, as young people, either in university or wherever, you tend to get yourself either involved in some type of a small business or you start doing, you know, odd jobs here and there, perhaps um, tutoring or working as a waiter, things like that. Um, why do you think it is that a lot of um, young people, when they do go, you know, f for a job interview or apply for uh, some of the some of the positions in a corporate, for example, tend to leave out some of that experience? Because from what you're saying right now, it does sound like there is some value in, you know, mentioning the fact that you've done, you know, some of this work. Great point. It's such a pity that so many young people leave that out. Because what employers want to see is that you've been de-risked. You know, for, as an employer, it's, it's, it's also hair-raising to hire people. You know, with labor laws, if you hire someone and you've made a mistake, it's very difficult and it takes a lot of time and energy to move them out of your business. So, you know, employers who are generally scared about the future of business, where, you know, where are my customers going to come from? You can imagine how cautious they're going to be about hiring someone. But if you can show them that you've been proactive, you've gone out there, you've you, you, you've built experience. Uh, if you've got, please get reference letters. Even if you do a, a small piece of work, get a reference letter from the person you've done that for to say that you were a great employee, that you learned quickly, that you were great to customers, you had a, a, a really nice demeanor and you could work as, in a team. You know, whatever it is that that job whatever skills that it imparted to you, even if it was a week-long thing, you know, get that reference letter because future employers want to see that they're not taking a, the first risk on you, that you've been de-risked. Um, I think the reason that we also leave it off is we've been programmed that unless you've had a pay slip from someone, it's not a real job. And that's so not true. You know, your best experiences come from all these waitressing stints that you do, uh, you know, all the little jobs that you pick up when you're at varsity. Um, you really learn so much about the world of work there. We, we should be proud of that, and that should be on our CV. These are the things I learned in this job. 
Um, and, and employers really value that. And, and this is what our research is telling us. Employers are saying, we just want to see that they've got some kind of experience, some kind of, of, of reference letter that we know we're not the first person that's going to take a chance here. Okay, so now I just want to switch back to, I guess, where we began the conversation, you know, about what um, YES is doing and maybe even the partnership with MultiChoice or um, any other partnerships that you guys are, you know, involved in. Someone has, you know, done all the things, they've been proactive, they've built up the CV, they've gotten the reference letters, uh, but, you know, given the downturn, they're saying... Um, I really need to just, you know, get out there and do something. And then they approach, um, they approach yes and uh, your team. What's usually, I guess, the process? Um, do you sort of, um, place people according to whatever projects you have going on? Is there some type of waiting list? How does that actual process work for you guys? So yes itself doesn't place youth. We open new job opportunities and then we use a wide range of partners to place youth into those jobs. So we have got a database of youth. If you go to our website, there's a tab for youth and you can, uh, there's some nice tips on CV writing and uh, job interviews on that page. And there's also a portal where you can enter your details. But we, we don't only use our database. So say we've partnered with um, NetBank or ABSA, for example, and the jobs that they're going to pay for are going to happen through early childhood development programs, community health programs, um, and, and uh, school digital skills programs. We then work with NGOs uh, or small businesses who are in that sector at community level. Because one of the biggest issues youth have is traveling to jobs and the high unemployment rates, we have low, low jobs numbers in those communities. So by working with these partners, they recruit youth from those communities to place them in, in the company. And we also have a lot of companies that have their own databases and recruitment companies that help them place. So we're not prescriptive. We want to see jobs open. But where the companies find youth to place in those jobs is up to them and a range of partners. Okay. Now, I guess on a final point, uh, are there any other, I guess, opportunities that you, that, as you said, that you're sort of opening up? Um, apart from multi-choice, are there any other current projects that young people should be looking out for from uh, you guys? So, I mean, we've got um, close to a thousand companies registered in the database. Um, about So, we've got commitments for 35,700 jobs and about 24,000 of those have already been placed. Uh, well, actually, 30,000 have been already been placed, but we've had 13,000 who finished the year-long work experience program already. Um, we've already had, which is phenomenal, and we're, we're thrilled with the number, we've had 44 new companies register in the past um, six weeks, seven weeks. So the economy is turning. I want to give you know hope to people that um, the, the faster we get out of our heads and just say, let's move forward, the quicker the economy can recover. So all of those 44 companies will be hiring to put youth into, into those positions. Um, most of them, however, are going via NGO partners to place those youth at community level, and they're placing them directly inside of their own organizations. Um, but what I do want people to understand is things have not completely stopped. Um, we will recover from this and companies will start hiring. And, and I hope that some of the people listening are actually going to start some of those companies that will be hiring. As you heard it right there, um, we are going to recover and companies will start to hire again. And we hope that uh, some of you listening will be the people to create some of these jobs. Um, so that was us with Dr. Tashmir Saville, uh, Tashmir um, Ishmael Savo, who is the CEO of Yes, that is the Youth Employment Service, which is a private sector-led organization um, that is trying to create um, employment opportunities for young people in and around South Africa. She was just giving us a rundown just around how um, their organization works, uh, some of the partnerships that they have, um, including the one with uh, MultiChoice um, that was announced last week, and also just talking about the fact that if you're a young person, 
you shouldn't always wait uh, for opportunities to come your way. You know, take some initiative, uh, whether you're going to start something of your own or go to shadow someone or perhaps get um, the odd end uh, jobs here and there or volunteering experience. And she's also just saying that um, don't be shy to tell people that you've done some of this work because it actually shows how much value you can actually bring to the table. So very interesting uh, discussion right there. Uh, Dr. Ishmael Savo, how can people get in touch with you guys as YES and how can they perhaps get involved? So the website is YES, Y-E-S, numerical for the number four, youth. Yes, for youth.co.za. If you visit our website, uh, what we are hoping for is that there are companies out there listening who want to be part of the movement. If you invest in youth jobs, you can move a level or two levels up on your BE scorecard, um, which is which is an amazing set of value um, for a company. And we do hope that there'll be some companies uh, listening to the show and and contributing to this initiative. We need companies to say yes. We need jobs for youth. Um, and let's all work together to do that. Yes for youth.co.za. So that's it. Yes for youth.co.za. And that was us with Dr. Tashmir Ishmael Saville, who is the CEO of Yes. On the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz. So with that, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening. Thank you to our guests uh, for sharing uh, their insights with us. Um, the employment sector, you know, nothing is easy at the moment, but um, there may be some green shoots as uh, more people start going back to work. Uh, we heard that about 8 million people were said to have gone back to um, work this week. And it may be a good time to sort of reimagine, uh, you know, people's careers and just some um, trajectory because I'm sure lockdowns have given people a lot of time to sort of reflect on their careers and uh, where they want to go. And at the same time, given employers a bit of time to sort of imagine what the world of work is going to be looking like going forward. And more interestingly is going to be um, what the trends are just around how people actually go about working. Everyone, um, a lot of people predicting the fact that we will see ourselves uh, getting more um, involved in work from home structures, uh, perhaps more flexible working hours. And perhaps this crisis has sort of uh, given uh, both employers and employees um, some pause um, to reflect on the status quo and the way that things can actually improve. And also giving people a way to just make sure that they themselves can either keep themselves protected or at the same time as organizations find ways to protect your employees a bit better going forward. Let us know what you think in the comments remember that on facebook we have our film that's voice of vits you can also find our other facebook page that is vits radio academy on twitter we're at viofm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz you can also search for us on iono.fm for podcasts and links and you can find uh, the rest of our material on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business so with that we've reached the end of tonight of today's show uh, thank you to our amazing team our technical producer is Kutluano Sirame together with our executive producer Glory Mabuza. Our producer is Slendile Musibi. Uh, so don't miss the business but same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. So don't turn that dial. Up next um, uh, we're going to be continuing things right here on the VOW FM lineup. Uh, there's more great content for you to be listening to. So for myself, Leo Mob Justice Gavaza and the rest of the team it is good afternoon and take care. More justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.